Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming back in for this little informal Q&A that we've got um, today. Um, thank you, Kate, for joining us back on stage. Thanks, Steve. And thanks to all the other inanimate objects that have they've joined us as well, and maybe they'll be speaking later. Um, we've got a f about 30 minutes for a Q&A session. What we tend to... Oh, sorry, I'm supposed to say my name's Robert Walton. <laughs> I work at the VCA, and I do host lots of the talks here at Arts House. Um, what we've been doing recently is spending one minute informal time, and this actually really fits in well with this performance. Um, so what I'd like you to do is spend one minute now speaking to someone nearby you, maybe someone that you don't know, just one minute, to just figure out what the right question to ask Kate is. <laughs> maybe there's more than one, but maybe you need to think about what the, the most important question you need to ask is about the show. Okay, one minute starts now. No pressure or anything. <laughs> A question would do too, I'm sure. Yes, say hello to the person that you don't know as well. Okay, that is the end of the minute. I don't think you were actually timing that. I oh, I've internalised <laughs> internalized a minute. It's an interior minute. Now, because I'm hosting, I get to ask a question first, which is my prerogative. So please hold on to your question, which is burning in your mind, the most important one. And just so you know, I'll um, have to repeat your question in the best way that I possibly can. Um, because we're recording tonight's conversation. It's not because we can't hear you, it's just for the recording. So, the first question is, Kate, it's personally, and let me just say thank you for the performance first. Um, I've been looking forward to this since I saw that you were in the uh, programme at Arts House, because I saw a work that you did in Glasgow in 2005 called All Natural, and when I saw that then, it, you know, revolutionised the way I thought about performance. And lots of the, my collaborators at that time and other people really were inspired by that work. So I was really, I'd not seen anything in these last 10 years. So I was really great, uh, grateful to be able to see you again tonight. And the thing that struck me was, with watching the show tonight was, again, having, you know, you must have done this many times now, maybe it's your thing, but this uh, something that was similar tonight to something 10 years ago, was this 
very live meeting or confrontation with the audience. P not pretending that you're somewhere else or pretending that we are somewhere else, but meeting the people who are here sat in these chairs live with you. And is this uh, a fascination of yours? Is this, some, is this where you start making performances? Is this actually the material of your work? Um, yeah, in some of the works, definitely. I mean, I, I made some quite other different stuff in the 10 years in between, which, which was not so um, completely in this connection mode. But I certainly have never made anything where there wasn't a moment where the performer kind of goes, whoa, okay, you guys are here and I'm here too, and that's what's happening. Um, Actually, I, when I started making this performance, I, was, um, I knew I had to make a solo, and I knew it had to be in a, in a theatre space like this. And um, I didn't want to make a solo, especially. Um, and I was sitting there in my studio going, me. Um, so, what, I started, so why did you not want to make a solo? Oh, because I've made a few, like the one that you saw. I think I've made three now. Um, and I don't know, anyone who's made a solo knows that it's pretty painful. I mean, it's great as well, but it's, I don't mean to whine, but it's um, not the easiest process. And of course, it's never, you're never alone because you work with great collaborators as well. But anyway, it's a weird one to be on stage on your own. So I was there in the studio thinking, ha, how am I going to handle this? Um, and also, do I really want to make something on stage again? Because the previous piece had been really uh, without any performers or really any audience, and it was in spaces nothing to do with the theatre. Um, it was just a series of instructions for people to um, smash objects and put them back together, actually. That's the briefest version of it. So I was back in the theatre thinking, what can I do? And I thought, um, well, all right, I'm going to make the audience do it with me. We're going to make the show together. So in this case, that was the genesis of that feeling was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get them in to do it with me and somehow we'll get, that, we'll get through it together kind of thing. Um, but inside that was also a background question again about this space, like this funny setup where the solo person is, or the, the performer is performer, is a sort of on one side of the stage, audience on the other. And I was really thinking a lot at that time about gatherings of people. And I was reading a great book by Richard Sennett called Together, which is all about um, difficult collaborations between people who don't necessarily agree. So fed on all of this, I was trying to think, okay, how can we be together in a theatre? How, how, how can that groupliness be kind of explored? And I started to think about orchestras, because this setup in a way is a bit like a choir or an orchestra, really, of the way musicians are arranged when they have to play together. So I started to think, well, maybe, maybe the audience can be an orchestra. Because I also, um, this rant is, is a bit long, but hopefully precise. Um, <laughs> It answers all of your questions in one go. Um, <laughs> uh, I also was... Yeah, I, 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 I knew I wanted the audience to be part of the thing, um, more so than usual, because as you say, I anyway normally talk directly to people. Um, but I, I don't like participation in theatre. I am the slowest person, the most cautious one, the one who's quite worried by the fact that other people leap forward and are really into it and have no, well, whatever, I'm, I'm just much more cautious um, and often find it a bit painful. So I set myself this challenge to see if I could make a piece that would be interactive without, um, that even I would be feel okay with um, and interested by. So 
in that moment, I decided, okay, no one's going to leave their seats. No one's going to be dragged on stage. No one is either going to be obliged to participate. So there will be the possibility just to sit there and be a normal audience, audience member, and it'll probably still be interesting and fine, and there won't be any problem with that. Um, so those were the basic conditions. And then, um, yeah, it developed from there. So we, we like John, who did the sound design, um, right there. <laughs> uh, uh, we started doing lots of um, scores with audiences and test audiences and, and making sounds and very inspired by Fluxus scores. Um, and there were versions of this show where I didn't talk at all. There were just instructions on cards and lots of great things for people to play with and lots of sound and strings and all the stuff that you see now. But then slowly people, the feedback I was getting was like, well, this is a lot of fun and, and it's cool, but we don't know really who is that person on stage actually and what, why are they so interested in this thing and what are they up to? So then all the other material kind of followed afterwards. Um, yeah. And so now what happens is that you kind of lead it and all your, these other collaborators are quiet for most of the time and they, they don't often, it's either you or them mm. in the show. Or them a lot as or well. Or them, yeah. yeah. Um, and so when, so these things came, these were like here before you were, in a way, before you talking, is that right? <laughs> yes, yeah. You just said? Yeah, the very original ideas were very much um, based on this, finding ways for people to make stage invasions without leaving their seats. I mean, that was my first thing. It was like, okay, mm. how, can they, how can they run the show? Oh, I'm just going to leave. They'll do the show. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> And this feeling for, for sound, like so instruments and, and um, tactility was really important. So this thing of being able to throw things and, and but also all this people breathing, like people breathing into the bags and uh, just this feeling for a tactile layer was the first big exploration, mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. Nice. Can you remember the question? If you can remember the question, please raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm just wondering uh, how flexible the, the outcome is with how what the structure in particular, or is, is it quite a set structure, or is it something that's we? How much of the what we give you at the beginning or first half of the work actually informs and, and maybe a few of the little uh, ways that it does do it? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try and translate your question there, which was four questions nestled in one. How flexible is the work, the structure? The structure. How much does it change? According, according to the response. Depending on what the audience gives. Is that enough? Yeah, and, and just like maybe you can reveal something. Further. And please can you tell, you, tell us all your secrets? What my secrets are. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to answer all the secrets, but you do have to answer the first two questions. Um, um, text is completely fixed, doesn't change. Mm. It's a um, it's a funny thing this show because <laughs> it does it plays completely on this setup. I wouldn't do it any other setup in any other setup. So it's this theatre theatrical arrangement and all of the expectations and codes and kind of contract that comes with that is what it plays on and what it plays with and and so on and also the limitations of that and the pleasures of it and and so on. And one of the things in that is that it's. Um, it is a kind of machine. It's a it's it's a text that's really fixed. Um, however, 
so what I say is kind of on a long journey and it, it, is, it was very, very responsive to test audiences. So we did a few of those and I really listened very hard and especially to negative creed, uh, feedback afterwards was super informative and still is. I mean, when I get feedback and also from these situations, things do change from one script to another. I add a line, I change the inflection or the feeling of this or that to answer to those responses. But once we're into the show, it's not what I say that changes, but for sure my manner of moving through it is really trying to vibrate off what is in the audience. So tonight's audience was really very, very different to last night. And so I just ride the material in a different way and, and see what happens. I mean, I remember when I was making the show that you saw, the All Natural show, um, I was working with a writer then called Joe Randerson from New Zealand. And uh, I, I was new to text. I'd never done text on stage. And it's a, just a... <laughs> it's a show where I talk endlessly. What a surprise. Um, and uh, uh, I remember at a certain point I was sort of agonising over how a couple of lines should be arranged. And she finally said to me, after months of working together, she said, Kate, it just doesn't matter what you say. <laughs> what matters is what you do and while you're saying it. So it'll be all about the state that you're in when you deliver those words. It'll be all about the energy you're creating with those words. So I do think of the text as something very malleable, but really not in the way what I say about how I do it. So last night, uh, tonight was a really chatty, very sort of uh, fun audience. Like they looked like they were having a good time and they were determined to have a good time. <laughs> it wasn't much I could, I mean, it was a very autonomous audience, I think, in a way. So that allowed me to really kick back quite a lot, maybe too much, I don't know, I'll think about it. Last night, um, there was some quite strong interventions from early on of somebody who was really unhappy with what was going on, and, and so there was a really different kind of way to ride that afterwards, because it, it changes how everyone feels about what's happening, of course. So I think everyone in the audience is anyway communicating a lot and really generating a big energy field around attention and laughter, not laughter, um, whatever, distractions and so on. So I'm mostly reading that and trying to um, stay in tune, keep things moving. Is that, does that answer your questions? So, so, so if you've got a question, would you just raise your hand then I can see that you want uh, to ask one. So maybe we'll come to you first and then we'll go to you, madam. Yes, I will repeat it again. I know you only sat there, but I'll repeat it just... It's a great idea. Uh, my question was in regards to the audio piece you play back towards the end. Is that recorded from night to night? Is that then mixed? Because it obviously felt like its time duration was not equivalent to when the thing, the actual movement of objects took place. What do you guys reckon? <laughs> Curious. <laughs> I really wanted to believe that we made that. Mm. Well, yeah. I suppose it, it does fit the you know it's quite it's the kind of questions in the field of asking the magician and the tricks but it is how the tricks work but you know fair enough unless you don't want to answer it very happy to answer yeah um <laughs> no the um the first part the dragging and so on like the chairs and so on this is pre-recorded um i think it's from essen in germany essen yeah yes. uh very early um premiere kind of stuff um, so that's, that is a con con reconstruction. Um, and uh, the rain sound is definitely you guys. It's different every time, depending. And I think yeah, you can is hear there some microphones up there? Yeah, I seem to notice these, there. which yeah. I realise we could actually use for these question and answer <laughs> sessions if we just plumb them in better instead of me having to repeat 
you know, the hardest job I've ever done, having to repeat really long questions. Um, um, yeah. Maybe we'll make a note of that. But there's something, like, tonight I really enjoyed it because people were laughing and playing around at the end of the rain and, you, and then you get to hear that back again. I always like that. It's a really beautiful moment when you realise that you're going to hear the rain again, isn't it, in the show? And, you know, you, there was those people who were getting the experience on the fifth row or whatever, but how lovely for us to be able to experience it as well. I Did anybody else moment. secretly close their eyes even though they weren't in the fifth row? Yeah, I, I noticed people doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and did you have a question as well? Mine was the same. I was just dying to know whether we made that sound. Mm. I don't know. I didn't, I, I'm gone when you make those sounds. I, don't, I just see the evidence afterwards. <laughs> was it good? I don't know. I mean, right. Yeah, all right. And was there another question? Yes. Ask, when you first brought out the big boom mic mm. um, and put it near the paper bags, it was picking up some really interesting sound, and I just wanted to ask what that was. Pure bacteria. <laughs> that was a quick answer. Are there any other questions? Because I've got something if you want to. Um... There. Where's... Did you have a question? When you said last night's audience was a bit more resistant, I'm interested in how that played out and what, yeah. how far that's usually taken or, yeah. yeah. Um, ah, it's pretty interesting. So what happened last night was there was a woman sitting in the front row and um, uh, at that moment where I say, is there anybody who feels uncomfortable, trapped in a situation they're not comfortable with and does anyone feel like that right now? She was like, yes, God damn it, I'm, I'm not into this. Like, come on, what's going on? And, uh, and then I said, does anyone want to renegotiate the rules? And she was like, yeah, come on, it's... This is, I mean, basically she was saying, this is bullshit, we need to mix this up, come on, what, what are you doing, kind of thing. Um, which I really appreciate. I know she's saying what some people are thinking, because uh, this is a absolute, um, it's not absolute, but anyway, what, what, when I get, uh, talk to people afterwards, I do, uh, often there are people who are really just extremely pissed off by this whole first section, 20 minutes. Um, it just resonates in really wrong ways to do with... Uh, kind of control systems, um, systems generally, uh, this thing around exposure and kind of having to be part of the thing and not really finding a way to resist that isn't kind of recuperated by the thing immediately and uh, wanting to leave, but at the same time just not feeling like making a spectacle of themselves and all those kinds of things. So there's a definite layer of discomfort and um, it is why that text is in that part because I want because other people have a really great time and they're really really enjoying it and uh, even if they're just being sitting there quietly for themselves thinking and so on, and I um, I, I think both ends of that spectrum are very valid uh, responses and I um, feel that it's necessary to respect both of them but also why I say that bit of text is because I want to keep proposing into the room that there are other experiences going on. So if you're having a good time, maybe for a moment you'll think like, oh, maybe somebody else is not having a good time, I wonder why, or, and vice versa. Um, and, um, but last night it was interesting because I, uh, it's, once you've had that challenge, and my interior thought was like, I'm oh, sorry, you're going to sit through another about 20 minutes of this before we'll get to your point, which is a good point, but I'm not going to be able to go straight there. Um, <laughs> but, of course, I just say, yes, you know, you're right. Um, uh, but then it's hard to proceed in a very, very confident kind of, 
this is how things are going tonight and I'm fine with it and I assume you are as well. I can't do that anymore. So it has to become more fragile and more a bit more problematised um, immediately. And, and that's, that's quite a long chunk of the show then to be fragile, which is fine, but it changed how things was. When you were developing the work in the first place, was it done through live um, dialogue with the audience like that? Did you discover it in that means, improvisationally, or did you kind of have a fairly strong structure that you then tried on an audience? Yeah, and no, I kept trying different structures and then I would get feedback. And <clears throat> like the, the fascism line really comes directly from a friend of mine who came after the one one of the showings when I had a different script and I was performing it differently and she was just like, I, I, I like you but I hate this show and I, I can't be here, it's fascistic, it's just horrible what you're doing. Mm. Um, so, and I was like, okay, fine, I have to absorb that and at least I have to give that a space in the show mm. as a possibility and I'm also going to see if I can soften that somewhere, you know, like if maybe I'm being a bit too authoritarian in the first part or something. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's, there's stuff rolling around. Yes. Any, oh, yes. You've got two questions. Oh, great. Well, let's start with one. How kind of you. As I, I think I was interested in kind of, and we're kind of touching on just now, the the crafting of bringing the audience into it and the kind of that space and the sort of selection of the initial questions and how you kind of came about that. Um, yeah, it was the longest part of the process was that first 20 minutes, I think, was just to um, try and get the temperature of those things right. So that was a lot of work with the test audiences. It was a lot of feedback loop with the dramaturgs. There were two dramaturgs working, um, Pascal Petralia and Tim Etchells, and um, a constant sort of trying to test for ourselves, like, would I do that? Would I be pissed off by that question? Would I, would I find that funny? Would I like this constant sort of reflex about how, when do you need the humour again? When do you just, when do I just back off and let people just sit there quietly and they don't have to do anything for a while? And then also this thing of like, okay, I have to ask myself some questions so that I'm also in this process. It's not only about them. And also in the way that it's performed, I had to test a lot of things because one of the, this answers your first question a bit as well, but um, it, it seems really important to me when I make work that the performers don't really know more than the audience. Of course, the maker knows a, a lot more than the audience, um, but the performer figure hopefully is kind of finding their way and also making some mistakes or not really sure how things are going and is testing stuff out and so on. So all of those layers as well were playing around. But I mean, it, it took a bit of um, juggling because I also began to realise that you can quite inadvertently do stuff that's really not okay. Like um, there was a version where I ask, um, has anyone ever given a disease to somebody else? Which is pretty innocuous and most people, I guess we all have. Um, but then like a few questions later is, could you make a calculation of the number of people you've slept with? And like there's just the proximity of those questions was no longer okay. So these kinds of things just required a lot of, um, and now it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> It's so not true. Can I just <laughs> do a follow-up question and then we'll come back to you for the next, your second question. Sure. Just about, you know, the reactions from different audiences in different countries and whether any of the questions have led to, you know, it, are Australian audiences different? Is this, this is the first place you performed it in Australia, yeah. isn't it? And have you noticed any differences so far? Um, oh, you seem like a pretty sociable bunch. Um, yeah, I mean, for sure, I can feel, from these two nights, I can feel like people, as soon as there's an invitation to be a bit social and talk among yourselves, everyone's like, yeah, fine. <laughs> I can do that. I've got things to say to my neighbour. Um, 
which is something I remember from Italy as well. So, I mean, we get into these cultural cliches pretty fast, but um, I also think it has generational... What I notice is more about generational stuff, actually, uh, more than particularly cultural. So I notice when, when there's really young people in the audience, like I've done shows in France where we had uh, like 70 people out of 200 um, were teenagers and they react really differently. Um, also, older people, I've noticed, they sometimes just hate being told what to do. Like, they really, they're just like, <laughs> um, not into that. Um, and so, are yeah. you always performing in English, or do you translate, go to French when you're in France? I wish. Um, <laughs> no, it's subtitled, which is, again, I mean, relating to your question, is changes the dynamic a lot, because suddenly it's really transparent that it's a mechanic, and I'm not... Uh, really responding. Um, I'm acting, <laughs> and this is really far more uh, part of the texture, and that adds a layer of uh, another layer of complication on things. Mm. So, do you want, still want to ask another question? Yes. yes. And then, does anyone else have a question? I'm enjoying this walking around thing. <laughs> so, I think it follows on from that kind of that idea of performance. Um, I think, kind of. I always find it interesting, you know, to see performances like this where there is this, you know, it is scripted, yet you're kind of giving the impression that this is coming in spontaneously. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that. It'd be interesting, yeah, to hear you talk about how you fit within that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you keep it spontaneous, do you mean? Um, well, how do you... Well, also, why would you... I think it's a really difficult form of... Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's a very difficult form of performance and, um, you know, yeah. challenging for a performer, yeah. Um, oh, it has to... Uh, I think it has to do with... Uh, I mean, this, this, I keep coming back to this, but it is a weird space set up here. And, um, I mean, one of the things that is an ongoing fascination for me, and I think it's part of this performance, is this feeling for groups sort of citizenship, how do people reach accords together, how do they share space together, how do they share conflicts together, da, 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 da. so all this stuff is pretty interesting to me. But I think in this space, it's it's not a space for any kind of democratic discussion at all. It's a space to kind of contemplate pretty individually on something and to, to be proposed a kind of, let's say, a, a, an alternative reality by the people who are taking care of the space for a while. So some people take guardianship of this space and they and they and you come in the door and you're ready to for a while live with whatever reality they are proposing so it's not really a place for exchange between ah it's really hard to quantify it's it's a space for a certain kind of co-imagining but that's still a different thing to a democratic exchange and um that co-imagining i mean i find it super magical and important otherwise i wouldn't be doing this but um I also find it important not to really pretend that it's the other thing. So I try to make it clear that it's a script, actually. I think it's kind of clear. But at, this, but at the same time, I have an absolute respect for the fact that it's the first time that everyone here does it and everyone's in a thought mode with this reality that I propose that is for today and it is now and it is for the mood that you're in and it is and while I, I've tried to craft it so that it's an interesting journey meanwhile these whoever's here and me is living it for the first time so it's, it's a weird set of um, circumstances which I f find interesting but I uh, can I ask a follow-up question 
does living in Brussels affect your interest in people co-imagining oh, yeah, uh, cultures together or imagining futures yeah. or even how to cohabit? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, um, Brussels is a very, already it's a funny city because it's bilingual, so um, every street has two names. Um, every everything is in two languages um, every interaction you have uh, you the very first step of it is to figure out which language we're going to speak there's no assumption you can make about um, you're going to speak French or you're going to speak Flemish um, or English or whatever so you first every few seconds every first seconds you have with somebody is about going oh how are we going to communicate and for me this this is extraordinary and very very beautiful thing because it's um, Brussels has other problems, but one beautiful thing about it is that it's uh, always a negotiation. Everything's under negotiation on a very personal interchange level. And I think this is um, really great. It's a kind of chaos, but also uh, one where people have to find each other and, and um, keep refinding each other. So, yeah, it has an influence. Great. And is there anyone else? Yes. Oh, is there a, did you have a question as well? No, just scratching your head. <laughs> Maybe I can answer your scratch. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone would like to ask a question with a gesture or by putting the hand up or clapping the hands, we will accept those as questions. Oh, yes. Uh, um, I just wanted to know how you got permission to gouge a trench in a heritage-listed floor. Ah, I think we're greatly aided by the fact they're going to fully sand and refinish it at the end of this year. Because I kept, I also was amazed that they were going to let us smash stuff against the wall. And like, I mean, it's beautiful. I find it also very interesting that such a heritage established building, which represents something of its own too, uh, that we're allowed to come in here and really like, wow. Mm. Um, but apparently it's all going to be completely refurbished and there'll be um, no traces uh, soon enough. So with lucky timing. You I could guess. have asked for more then, couldn't you? <laughs> Could have a, a much bigger trend. <laughs> it's interesting because the last show that was in here, they they took away all of the lighting rigs and took it back to its original state, oh. and now this week it's back to being they a theatre like again. Gas lighting or something? <laughs> no, they put the chandeliers back in up oh, there. Wow. It's oh, quite yeah. nice actually. Wow. Now, any more questions? Yes. Um, how has your dance background informed your process now and also your practice today? Um, yeah, I had a very classical dance background. I studied ballet from the age of six until 20-something. Um, and I danced in companies and things until I was 30, so um, it's a relevant question. Um, yeah, the first chance I had to actually make my own work, I just talked. Um, <laughs> Which maybe tells you something, but um, I I think um, for sure I'm very interested in physical states, and I'm very interested in um, physicality of things, tactility of things, and I think I trust bodies maybe more than anything. Um, I mean, the reason I made did a lot of used a lot of language in my first solo was because I was just so fascinated how you can lie. I mean, you can just say stuff, and for the first few moments, people just believe it. It's really extraordinary, and um, so this kind of ability to just like conjure whole possibilities with your words uh, was really fascinating to me. But I think at a, some essential level, um, yeah, I trust bodies and I, I trust the, the materiality of things very much. 
so in that sense, I think it informs my work. I think very often you'll find that it's, it's even if it now is transferred more to um, our relationship to objects and to the sound of tactility, the sound of material, or to our own bodies and how we make this kind of stuff, it's in the breathing and all that stuff is important, I think, for the same reasons for me as the dance. It's got its roots there anyway. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because as somebody who works in theatre and directs and works with actors a lot, when I'm watching your performance, it, I see your thought process before you speak it a lot of the time and you have this... I'm slow way, think it. No. Way, <laughs> way before, you're just a very fast mover. Um, you know, you kind, you've, we kind of see what you're going to how you're going to respond in words before you get there with the words. And so my question was, going back to the text thing again, is, you know, you said that you didn't know how to act when you first started off and you didn't know how to use the words. Mm. How do you think you've... How have you taught yourself how to act? Because you've said tonight that you do act and it is basically acting. So how did you do it? I think one of the things I enjoyed, so in the first solo, which is the one you saw in Glasgow, um, uh, I was talking, yeah, I was like a child, like with all these building blocks, and I just had no idea what was good or what was bad. I really didn't give a damn because I was having fun. So I had this really, and I think that's why I did it, because in dance it became, I think this is something maybe dancers recognise, it becomes difficult to know why you're moving or how to make your first move, or it all becomes very kind of loaded and full. And then the idea of talking just seemed so easy actually <laughs> and I didn't I was just like a kid who didn't know what was right or how to do it and that was amazingly liberating so probably ever since then I think I, I learned something from that which is that every piece I try and do something I just have no idea how to do so in this case I, I thought oh, I'll try doing participation because I just really am <laughs> freaked out by that and I don't know what it means um, uh, no but it is an effort to keep it fresh for sure I, that's what you, you, um, I mean now I'm lucky because I haven't done it for a few months I think it was like June or something last, oh, before May maybe when I last did it but once I get on a roll it can be really um, a bit weird just trying to keep it fresh yeah but it certainly seems like there's a the body has a clear journey through the work and you know it's the energy of your movement that keeps your thoughts alive it seems and you're finding your way through even when you sat at the table and the pencil is very animated in the way that you look through things yeah I think about that stuff yeah mm. I, I don't, I, I don't normally um, call myself a choreographer because I don't think it's really what I do. But um, no, I just say that I do performance. I think it's interesting that there's a feeling for dance back there, and it is my background, so I'm happy to announce that. But I wouldn't say that I'm a dance maker. No, I'm also pretty happy not to police those boundaries much. I mean, I'm really happy when they when they splurge and merge. But it might also speak to the processes that you go through, you know, a choreographic process to develop a work like this maybe, you know, it might realise a work like this as opposed to maybe an actor doing this. I haven't seen any actors make a show like this, let mm. me put it like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I mean like all the staging, you, you see, I, I think about this a lot and I love how the bags move when the marbles hit them and like all this stuff is, for me, that's choreographic. It's the stuff I really think about it, but I'm sure visual artists think about that and set designers do and, mm. yeah. Now, maybe this time for one more question, if anyone has one. Oh, yes. Hey. <laughs> Do you want to ask it into the mic? Has there ever been a performance where nobody has thrown the marbles? No. 
I think it's too tempting. I think, I mean, that's what I would like to do. If I, in fact, I do get to do it. <laughs> um, when we're doing test runs, I throw marbles and I really enjoy it. Um, nah, I've always done it. I mean, I think, no, there's individual people who haven't. Sometimes we find one bag of marbles that's intact and the person's like, meh, not into it, which is great. I find this very interesting too. I really do. I mean, I say it in the show as well, but I find this refusal moment extremely interesting. It's, um, yeah. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us, Kate, tonight. My pleasure. It's been a privilege to be able to hear your point of view on the work, as well as to be able to see your work tonight. Thanks. So please come again to Arts House. Oh, I'd love to. <laughs> Keep performing in Australia. And uh, if everyone would like to join me in thanking Kate for taking the time to speak to us tonight. Thanks, Kate.